talking about kingdom focus. And we started out talking about Hezekiah and his focus on revival uh, and what revival actually was. And remember, when real revival starts, you will have people come into the house who will worship God, and you will see them worshiping God, and they will be completely remember Hezekiah saw people come into the house of God and he said wait these people didn't clean themselves up according to the law they weren't clean and rather than judge them or beat them up or, or, or anything else he just let them go ahead and worship by taking the Passover and he just prayed God clean them up he prayed for them and so remember revival will bring people in who may not be looking exactly or even acting or even living exactly like you think. And it still doesn't mean that their, 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 their worship was any different. Remember, we were letting God deal with people. Last week, we talked about um, being a habitation of God and, and we, how the church needs to focus from being the, the moving the focus away from we want a visitation from God and understanding that we are the habitation of God. See, the, the difference is, is you don't believe he's with you and we're praying for him to come down. And the other focus is, I know that I am the body of Christ. I know that I am the temple of God and the Holy Spirit, Father and Son, live in me. I am the habitation of the Trinity. We looked at those scriptures last week. And... Uh, you know, even if Paul says, well, no, you're not that your body is the temple of the living of, of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. So Holy Spirit lives in you. Remember, Jesus was talking to the Father. He said, Father, like I'm in you and you're in me and me in them. So if, if, if Jesus is in us and the Father's in him, then now you realize that we are the housing of the Trinity of God. People, people say, well, that's sacrilegious or that's, heretical or whatever. I didn't say it. Jesus did. You know, the Word says that. Well, I read a scripture last week, and, and, it, and um, I, we've got one more week probably in this series unless Holy Spirit changes my mind. This is actually the first week that I knew what I was going to minister, and he didn't change it last minute. Uh, as y'all know, that's happened to me for the last month and a half. I've made it all the way through a week and threw a whole message out and let's do something else. But I read a scripture last week and I want to come on it a little bit more today because I think the next focus that we have to have in the body of Christ, and, and again, I can't talk for everybody's body. I can only talk for what I vision for harvest, right? But it's, it's, it's really for the entirety of the body of Christ. But I want to go back to Joel chapter 2. I want to go back to Joel chapter 2 and in verse 28, and I'm reading from the voice translation uh, just because I love how he puts it here. He says, and in those days I will pour out my spirit to all humanity. He said, your children will boldly and prophetically speak the word of God. Now, if you're reading King James Version, it says, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Um, how many in here is a son or a daughter? <laughs> Pierce didn't raise his hand. I don't know what you are there. He said, your sons and daughters. That means you will all prophesy. 
you will boldly and prophetically speak the word of God. Now he says, and your elders will dream dreams, and your young warriors will see visions. No one, I love verse 29, no one will be left out. That means prophetic words is for everyone. No one gets left out of receiving a prophetic word. <laughs> no one. He said, no one will be left out. In those days, I will offer my spirit to all servants, both male and female. And then we jump over into Acts chapter 2, and it's not going to be on the screen, where all of a sudden they're gathered together with one mind and one accord, and they're in their upper room, and they've been praying, and all of a sudden there comes a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And the Holy Spirit appears over them like cloven tongues of fire. And you say, what does that really look like? If you break that word down, it's actually almost like lightning. What they were seeing was like lightning that jumped on each of them. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Everybody sitting around heard the tongues, saw them speaking in tongues, but they heard their own language. And then all of a sudden, Peter jumps up and he refers back to Joel. He says, this is what that was. He says, in those days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And what the Lord has really been dealing with me over this past week, and since I looked at, talked about those scriptures last week, is we, as at least for us, it needs to be the next kingdom focus that we need to focus on. Revival, understanding that we are the habitation of God, and the prophetic. The body of Christ needs the prophetic operating. And I'm not talking about the office of a prophet, though we need that too. So what I'm going to look at today is we're going to focus on the prophetic. And what does that mean for us? Because according to Joel, nobody's left out of this. That means any prophetic word that can come into the house, it can just as easily be Maisie to give it as it can Denise. God doesn't care if she gives. He doesn't care if one of the little ones over there runs in here and says, I have a prophetic word. No flesh is left out. Nobody gets out. Well, I don't know about all that prophetic stuff. I know you don't know about it, but you're in this place, and he says nobody's left out. <laughs> Brother Hagin used to say, you might as well get in. They think you're one of us anyhow. <laughs> you know? And so, what, so we're going to look at that today, and we're going to look at the prophetic. And I'm not talking about some weird, strange gloom, doom, despair. We're going to look at how the prophetic should operate. You're, you're getting teach mode today. We're going to look at how the prophetic should operate in the New Testament church. The prophetic should operate not just in one person. Well, so-and-so is a prophetic person. You're all prophetic people. You all hear the voice of the Spirit. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard the voice of the Spirit. Yes, you have. You've heard the voice. Sometimes we, we mistakenly, mistakenly call it our conscience. 
Well, I just had this thought go through my mind. That's the Holy Spirit. Well, when we were in worship, I saw this picture of this. Why did I see a picture of an ironing board? I don't know. Well, ask Holy Spirit why you saw a picture of an ironing board. Because he's prophetically speaking to you about something, and you need to dig into that a little deeper. It's not scary. It's not weird. It's not strange. It's natural to the believer. Well, honey, I know it's natural because Joel said it was, and Peter reinforced it. Revelation chapter 4 from the Passion. Revelation chapter 4, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> in verse 1. He said, then suddenly, after I wrote down these messages, I saw a heavenly portal open before me. Now, if you're reading King James Version, he says, and I saw a door. And look what he says. And from that heavenly portal, the same trumpet voice I heard speaking with me at the beginning broke the silence and said, ascend to this realm. King James Version says, come up here. The invitation into the next realm really has nothing to do with God. He's already opened the door. He's already opened the portal. The invitation has come up here. So how did John get to the next realm? When he decided that he was going to get up and he was going to walk over there because the invitation had already been extended. So many times we're waiting on God to do something, and he said, look, the portal's open, the door, Jesus was the door. He opened the door wide, and the call to come in is still going on. It's still coming out. You should spend as much time in heaven, well, let's quit calling it heaven. You should spend as much time in the glory realm of God as you do worried about your bills. Our problem is we spend more time over here and not enough over there. He told John, he said, I saw a portal open before me and he, and God, and that word was ascend into this realm. I want to reveal to you what must happen after this. The invitation is open. Well, I just, I'm not spiritual enough. You can't help but to be spiritual. You're a spirit. This, this realm, this is just holding us. This is what just keeps us from, it keeps you grounded here. But it doesn't change the fact that you are a spiritual being. You are spirit. And the invitation God is still saying to his church is come over here. Spend some time over here because I got some things to show you. And, and, and I believe that Father God, that Abba, is still calling to his people to enter the realms of heaven. And I believe that the next focus, if we're going to really begin to focus on what the, living in the kingdom is, yes, it's revival. Yes, it's understanding that I'm the habitation of God. But it's also the focus that he has things to show us that we have to enter into his realm to see him rather than focusing so much on this realm. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. It's natural. You, it happens to you all the time. It happens to you all the time. When we begin to operate as a prophetic church, 
It is all about bringing the Word of God to a person, no matter where they're at, no matter what they're going through in life. Do you, oh, all right, hang on. Everybody grab the side of your seat and hang on. Do you realize that God has something good to say even to those who say they don't like Him? Now, wait a minute. They don't love God, you know. Just because they don't love Him doesn't change His love for them. <laughs> and you can give a New Testament prophetic word to someone who has no, doesn't even desire to have a relationship with God. And see, here's the problem is, we've become uncomfortable giving a real prophetic word to somebody because they may not be a follower. How can I give this great word to them? Because then we want to start adding stuff to it. We want to start bringing in the judgment and bringing in, right, come on, bringing in condemnation and bringing in fear. And that's not how New Testament prophecy works. We're going to get there. Philip told, Holy Spirit told Philip, go, 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 go. Go walk alongside of him. And so what happens here is one word from God changed that man's life. The Ethiopian says, I don't know what I'm reading. I don't have anybody to tell it to me. And, 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 and so Philip begins to, to break it down of what the Scripture means. And then after he breaks it down, <coughs> uh, then the Ethiopian says, well, who's he talking about? And then he begins to break down Jesus to him. Well, he's talking about Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Ethiopia says, well, here's water. What's stopping me from getting baptized? Let's take care of this thing right now. You know what he did? He brought him a prophetic word that changed his life. <laughs> Anybody remember Cornelius? The word says Cornelius was a godly man. Said he, he, he gave money to the poor. He prayed. Not only him, his whole family prayed. They, they, they searched for God. They, they looked for things. They gave to the poor. And all of a sudden, this man, and, and history says that Cornelius was, he was a Roman. He was over the Italian centurion, um, that he probably had already converted to Judaism. But he didn't know about Jesus yet. And so he's doing his Judaism thing. And he has a vision. An angel comes to him and says, go down to this town and get Peter. Peter's hanging out down there and he's going to teach you something. See, you can have a, a, a prophetic word from God and not even realize it. Actually, not even be looking for it. So, Peter's down. And, he, and the word says that Peter is minding his own business. He had went up on the roof and he's praying. And as he's praying, hang on. I have been harping on this for weeks, well, months, years, really. We're going to have to understand Christianity is not a Western American belief system. People are so afraid, well, all this Eastern mysticism will come into the, it's an Eastern religion with Jehovah, Yahweh, the true God. And you say, well, why are you telling me that? Because when, we read, when, when I tell you what the next part of uh, Peter is, and if you want to read this, it's in, Peter, it's in Acts chapter 10. 
the next part that happened to Peter, the word says that he's up on the rooftop and he falls into a trance. Trances are from God. Come on. Well, now, wait a minute. You can't say that. Then, then either Peter wasn't following God or he was. Well, how can you say Peter wasn't following God? Then if Peter was following God and he fell into a trance and God's not a respecter of persons and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then trances, then God can still put you in a trance. Come on. Well, now, wait a minute. It's Scripture. Acts 10, look it up. So Peter's minding his own business. He's up on the roof. He's praying, and he falls into a trance. And in a trance, he has a vision. See, uh, being a prophetic church will continue to operate in trances. It'll operate in visions. It'll operate in prophetic words. Oh, I didn't tell you the best part about Philip, did I? I'm sorry. Here, hold, put, put a pen in Peter. After Philip had baptized this guy, do you know what happened to him? He was translated. He was picked up from standing beside that man's chariot and was found in another town. But see, what we've done is we've tried to take the supernatural out of this thing, and we've taken the focus off of a super— we serve a supernatural God who desires for his— and if we serve a supernatural God and I house a supernatural God, then guess what just just dying to get out of me? A supernatural. I'm talking about you driving down the road and all of a sudden you end up somewhere else. Well, I don't believe all that. It's in the Bible. I didn't take it from some weird place where they're worshiping something else. I'm talking Jehovah, Yahweh. And in Yahweh's service, there's transportations, there's trances, there's visions, there's dreams. And he said, you're all included. And in Joel, he said, no one's left out. Well, why don't that ever happen to me? Maybe we need to come back to the point of Mark 16. These signs will follow them that maybe we just need to become believers. Let's jump back to Peter. So Peter's hanging out. He's in his trance. He's blissed out. He sees a vision. The sheet's coming down from heaven. It hits the ground. It opens up. There's every unclean animal and the Lord says get up and eat and he says Lord I've never eaten stuff like that those things are dirty that's kind of how we talk about people isn't it they're dirty they're filthy they're prostitutes and drug addicts and homosexuals and, and, and God they're just clean and I've never touched nothing like that and God says to Peter in a trance while he's having a vision in a trance and says what I declare clean Don't you call unclean. (laughs) Peter says, nope. So now let's go to Acts 10 verse 19. Let's pick up this story. I I told you, you get teach mode today. Sometimes I have to do it, Steve. Acts chapter 10 verse 19. And as Peter was in a deep, was in deep thought, trying to interpret 
the vision. So now he's out of his trance, and he's sitting on the roof, and he's like, okay, God, what did you mean? What's the deal with this? It says, the Spirit said to him, now comes the word that follows. Go downstairs, for three men are looking for you. They came on a prophetic word from a vision, and he's minding his own. I'm telling you, God will speak to you when you're minding your own business. Trance you plumb out. I was in church one time in worship, and uh, I had walked off, off the stage and, and, and fell into a trance. I didn't realize this till Dee told me later. It was an hour. I stood perfectly still. Today, what happened to me, I, told, I, I was telling Ted, I, I left here. That's probably why I couldn't play, I couldn't sing, I couldn't, because I'm coming in and out of this, this thing, and I'm like, my body didn't even know how to react to it. That's the good thing about it. Just let it happen. <laughs> well, don't lose control. I lost control a long time ago. He came into me. He may, remember we read the scripture last week, your body and your spirit belong to God. You lost control, folks. And I willingly gave it up. <laughs> but I was standing there and I was in this trance and I'd been there for an hour. And, and for some reason, a scripture had, I had never read. And I come out of it an hour or so later and, and, and they's like, well, what happened to you? Because I stood like this. Well, I, while I was there, the Holy Spirit took me to the throne room. And while I didn't see God's face, I saw everything about him but his face. But the thing that stuck out to me was, I said, I don't get it. It's, it was like an emerald was surrounded. It was like a rainbow of emerald around the throne. And I said, I don't, I don't know what in the world that means. Well, if you go back to Revelations 4 where we just read it, that's what John saw. And for some reason, I, I'm, I'm standing there. I've been there. Well, how can you say you've been there? It's easy. You can go there. It's your house. What, what do you mean it's my house? The kingdom of heaven is your home. You're a child of the king. That's where you belong. That, okay, I'm going on. Heretic. Peter said, there's three men looking for, God, Holy Spirit said, there's three men looking for you. Don't hesitate. Go with them because I have sent them. Peter was so accustomed to hearing Holy Spirit's voice that Holy Spirit gave him no more instruction than what you see right there. And he says that he got up and he went downstairs. Why? Because the Lord told him to. See, when we become comfortable in the prophetic, we'll become comfortable operating in the moment with the quick directions that he gives. But we have become so westernized that we've forgotten this is what Christianity has always been a part of. Can, can I stay a little longer? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm into this thing now. Hebrews chapter 13. No, let's not go there. 
Hebrews 13, 8, everybody knows that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right? So if he did that then, he'll do that today, and he's going to be this way forever. All right? Go to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Look at verse 1. I hope you're getting this. We, we need this. And the boy Samuel was attending the service of the Lord under the supervision of, supervision of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare and precious in those days. Visions, that is new revelations of divine truth, was not widespread. Ooh. Kind of sounds like what the church has become today. Wow, y'all, you all, some of you need to start opening your eyes right now. There is so much happening right now. <laughs> you do realize you had angels manifesting in your presence last week, right? Carol? Carol had never seen an angel until last week. We're standing here right now. You say, well, this is kind of freaky. This is kind of weird. Hang on, it gets worse. As one just walked by right there, uh, right behind you, Cassie, just now. That's what, folks, God wants you to see, this is your realm. And just said, he, saw, he just saw it too. So Samuel, so I want you to look what it says here about visions. It says, can you back that up one, Bobby, please? He said, the word of the Lord was rare. A prophetic word. I'm not talking about the Bible, the scriptures. They had the scriptures. We've got the scriptures. But how many of you know that is the word of God? But that's not the only word from God. Right? He still speaks to you. He speaks words to you. That's why it's called a word of knowledge. That's why it's called word of wisdom. He speaks. Ah. And, in, and, and visions, that is new revelations of divine truth, were not widespread. That word visions means the ability to see beyond what is seen in the physical. This is where God wants you to impart to you. And he has imparted to you. He's not going to leave you out. With the ability to see what is beyond seen in the physical. Verse 2, I'm, try, I'm trying, folks. <laughs> Verse 2, and yet it happened at this time, Eli was laying down in his own place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim, and he could not see well. And the oil and the lamp of God had not gone out. And look where Samuel was laying. Samuel was laying down in the temple where the ark of God was. But, you know, the ark of God represented God's presence. Where, where did Samuel find himself laying? In the presence of God. Maybe it's time we quit trying to work ourselves into the presence of God and we decide to do like Samuel. The, night, the day is gone, the night has come, and I just need to lay in the presence of God. Fancy words that's come along in, in the charismatic world is soaking. We call it soaking 
Let's just soak in the presence. No, it's doing what Samuel did. It's just laying down in the presence, in the ark. He's, he was where the ark of the covenant was. He was where the presence of God was. And he laid down. And in his place of rest, verse 4, that the Lord called to him and he answered, here am I. Verse 5, and he ran to Eli and said, here am I, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you, lay down again. And so he went and laid down. Verse 6, and the Lord called him yet again. You see, when you get into the presence of God, he's continually talking to you. If we will just learn to listen. Then the Lord called him yet again, Samuel. So Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. And Eli said, I did not call you, son. Lay down again. Go back to the presence of God until you get clarity on the voice that's calling you. Sometimes we get so deep into the presence of God that it gets uncomfortable. And so we want to do something else. That's why I love times of worship when it becomes so quiet, you can start telling people get uncomfortable with this. Because we have filled our brains with so much noise that we have forgotten how to lie down in the presence of God, shut everything else out, and just say, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. Mm. (coughs) And Eli said, go lay down again. Now here I want you to catch verse 7. Man, I am not going to get through all this. We'll pick it up next week. Now Samuel did not know or personally experience the Lord. Maybe that's our problem. We don't really know him. Oh, yeah, we're saved. We're on our way to heaven. Everything's good. But maybe that don't... Just because you can recognize my face doesn't mean you know me. Ted, Ted, we've got a pretty good relationship. But you know where Ted's never been? In my house. Not that I care if he comes to my house, but you know. See, sometimes we just won't go back where Samuel was laying down in the presence of God. He, but, but the problem is he didn't yet know God. He didn't know him in this way. There was no personal experience. So what he was having was a prophetic encounter and didn't even know it. And so much of the church today is having these prophetic encounters happen to them all the time and they don't even know it. Why? Because nobody escapes this. Joel said everybody's going to be included in this. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Everybody except Pierce raised their hand and said they were a son or a daughter. I'm glad you don't get offended easy. So that means you all can prophesy. You can all work and operate in the trance. In the bli- that word trance means bliss. In the bliss of God. In visions and in dreams. It's time to just quit being a Christian. And be holy as he is holy. Okay. And the word of the Lord... Excuse me, was not yet revealed directly to him. Verse 8. And so the Lord called Samuel a third time. Isn't it funny how God just won't shut up? Well, I just don't want to hear from you anymore, God. 
Well, Jeremiah tried that. And he said, your word was shut up in my bones. It's like a fire. I had to get this out. Maybe we need to get hungry again for the miraculous, the supernatural, the prophetic in our lives where it burns us. It burns. It hurts to hold it in. And we want to spread this. Mm. And he stood and he went to Eli and said, here am I for you did call me. Then Eli understood that it was the Lord. Here's the religious leader who finally it clicks in his head because he had ignored the supernatural in his own life. Come on. He had ignored the supernatural for his own life that when it came, he didn't recognize it. Oh, he was the religious leader. All right. Then Eli understood it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and he, and it shall be. See, Eli understood now. He said, buddy, this is going to happen again. Folks, I'm going to tell you, it's going to happen again. Open your heart. Open your spirit right now. This stuff's weird. You're weird. What's normal anyhow? Well, I just want to be a normal Christian. You can't be. Christianity is not normal. <sighs> Go lay down and it shall be that if he calls you, you shall speak. You shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now, where was his place? Before the ark. So he went and laid down in his place, in the presence of God. That is his place. That is your place. The presence of God is your place. Then the Lord came and stood. He heard his voice all these other times. Now God comes and stands. Well, I want to see a vision of Jesus. Open our eyes. It's not held back for the prophet and the apostle and the evangelist. It's not held back for your favorite TV evangelist. This is for you. Joel said nobody's getting out of this. <laughs> he said, speak for your servant is listening. So we need to engage in the prophetic realm. The function of prophecy in the local church. And I'm not talking about a prophet. Because with a prophet, you can get correction. But even with correct, how many of you know correction is not a bad thing? Now, I know in our society, we act like correction is horrible. I don't want to be corrected. The Word says the Father chastises. Even in love, there's correction. My kids never liked to hear that when they were little. But, you know, it happens. So I wanted to look real quick, if you can give me just a few more minutes. I want to look at how prophecy, how this, trances, visions, dreams, prophecy, prophetic words, how it should operate. And again, please understand, I'm making the differentiation, differentiation between how it operates in the New Testament church compared to the office of a prophet. I'm not teaching on the office of a prophet, so don't bring that here. We'll teach on the office of a prophet another day. All right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. I love the way the Passion puts this. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit 
to benefit not just himself, but all. So how many believers is given continuous revelation? That means Holy Spirit doesn't quit talking to you. Lynn and I were having a conversation yesterday, and he's talking about how in the world does this other consciousness come that even in my dream, he speaks to me because your spirit, this body has to take a nap and enjoys a nap, but my spirit doesn't have need for sleep. Why? Because in the glory realm, in heaven, even when, the, when New Jerusalem comes down and sits on the earth, it said there'll be no day, there's no night. It's always day there. The sun's always shining. So your spirit has no need for sleep. So even in your dreams, he'll speak to your spirit or he'll wake you up. I just heard something. He just told me, I woke up with Ted on my mind. Why, why God? Why did I wake up with Ted on my mind? Well, how about take some time, enter into the glory realm and ask him, what do I need to pray for Ted? Folks, this is what intercession is. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just yourself so that people say, ooh, look how spiritual you are. No, he puts this in me so that I can benefit all of you. And he drops it inside of Maisie so she can give it to all of us. And he drops it inside of Shirley so she can give it to all of us. It's not really about how spiritual, because she's no more spiritual than anyone else is. But he drops that word in her so that she can build the whole body. Here's where churches have got it wrong, Gary. They've waited on people like me to have all the word from God. I will bring you a message that hopefully will challenge you, encourage you, strengthen you, maybe even give you some direction in your life. But I am not, let's see how I want to say this. I am a voice from God. And so are you. But what we've done is we've relegated this to our leaders. Say, well, God, give them a word. How about we say, God, give me that word? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Continuous revelation. I'm telling you, you say, well, why are you teaching this? Because I've had people look at me and say, there is no new revelation. There may be no private interpretation but if there can be no new revelation, then God has quit talking. And I believe those were called the dark ages. <laughs> I'm all over it this morning. I'm in trouble. Verse 1. It is good that you are enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Well, what's prophecy? It's hearing the voice of God clearly and regularly and giving it, whether it comes in advances, trances, visions, words, all right? When someone speaks in tongues, no one understands a word he says because he's not speaking to people but to God. He's speaking intimate mysteries in the Spirit. But when someone prophesies... He speaks to, now this is how prophecy should work in the local church. He's talking to a group church. He's talking, this is how your church services operate. When someone speaks in prophecies, they do it to encourage people, to build them up, and to bring them comfort. Comfort. And it doesn't matter if that person loves Jesus or not. 
a prophetic word to them will still be a word that will encourage them, that'll build them up, and will comfort them. Yeah, but what about, what about what? A prophetic word. You mean God never prophesies bad stuff? Not with the gift we're talking about now. You want to talk about the office of a prophet? They'll give you a hard word. I've had real prophets cut my legs out from under me. <laughs> if, you don't know, if you know what that means. You okay? See, this is where we, we start getting uncomfortable. But it doesn't change the word. Verse 4. The one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress, builds himself up. So tongues build you up. So if you don't pray in other tongues, get into it. Can't do that. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and he's already given them all. It's already in you. Let it out. Well, somebody has to lay your hands on me. That's one way. But it's not the only way. All right. I mean, we are part of a Pentecostal charismatic church, right? These things, see, I'm telling you, we get real uncomfortable when you start talking about this. Well, you're going to make us all look weird. I'm not going to make you do nothing. But I'm telling you, it's there for you to do. So the one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress, and the one who prophesies builds up the church. We need prophecy. I need you to prophesy. I need somebody besides Jody to hear from God and say, this is what I hear God saying. And it'll encourage me, it'll build me up, and it'll give me strength. And somebody else will do it. Now, I'm, going, I'm not going to get into everything about how to do it, two or three and all that, but, you know. And I, verse 5, I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues, but I desire even more that you impart prophetic revelations to others. Greater gain comes from the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues unless there is an interpretation so that it builds up. What's, what's Paul's focus here? The building up of the entire church. So prophecy, actually it takes tongues and interpretation to equal prophecy. Why? So someone will understand the word of the Lord. Prophecy is communicating the heart of God. Folks, prophecy will always reveal Jesus in a situation. Revelations chapter 19, verse 10. I'm, 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 we're going to go. I'll get you out of here, I promise. Let's just call this a teaching session. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. He said, and, this, and, and as at this... I fell face down at the angel's feet and worshiped him, but he stopped me and said, don't do this, for I am only a fellow servant with you. And one of your brothers and sisters who cling to what Jesus testifies. The word of the Lord was coming through an angel. So John falls to worship the angel. He said, no, 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 no. I'm just giving the word. I'm bringing a prophetic word, and it's the word that Jesus testifies. See, all prophetic words should point to Jesus. If somebody drops a prophetic word to you, 
and it doesn't build you up, it doesn't strengthen you, and it doesn't encourage you and, and reveal Jesus in the situation of your life, then you might want to just hang on to it, put it somewhere else, lay it in the back, and see what happens with it. I'm just talking about what the instructions he gave to the church. Worship God. Now look at this. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Anytime that you begin to tell somebody about the goodness, the glory, the grace, the mercy, the greatness of Jesus, it is the, test, it is the spirit of prophecy that works in you. So the spirit of prophecy will always testify about Jesus. So when we see in a prophetic church that somebody's giving a prophetic word, it'll always bring about Jesus. Now what if Jody would have just come up to us today and said, I talked to this little woman and she was scared to go milk the cow. I think I heard that part. And she was scared to go milk the cow, but I just held my hand up. And she quit. Well, why'd you hold your hand up? Because it needed to testify about God. And I held Papa's hand. See, it testifies of Jesus. There's the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy will always testify about Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I pray, <clears throat> I'm reading out of the passion for most of these. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of his spirit, of, of the spirit of wisdom. Well, what is the spirit of wisdom? It's the gift of prophecy. It's a word of wisdom. Words of knowledge. He said that he would impart to you the riches of his spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. This is something you should be operating in all the time. Wisdom to know what God's doing and a revel revelatory action of God just revealing himself in every situation. This is what Paul was praying that God would release on them. Why? To know him through your deepening intimacy with him. True prophecy in the New Testament church will always deepen someone's relationship with God. And I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eye of your imagination. Well, that was all in my imagination. Who do you think gave you that imagination? <laughs> Flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation. See, we're all working toward this. Experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us. The wealth of God's inheritance is found in you. And a prophetic word will bring that out of you. It will expose that. It will uncover that so that you can see, like we're saying today, so that you know and believe what he believes about you. Amen. That he finds in us his holy ones. So prophecy will always testify of Jesus. Prophecy draws unbelievers to Jesus. It's called prophetic evangelism. Imagine if we tried that. Well, what is prophecy in the New Testament church? Encouragement, edification, 
exhortation, build them up, and comfort. Imagine if that became our way of evangelizing. What if we actually started operating in prophetic evangelism? Where we're encouraging, we're edifying, we're building them up, and we're comforting them. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I'm almost done. I've, I've, I've hit that, I've hit the, you can tell when you've hit the wall. Too much to think about. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24. But, I, but if everyone is prophesying, now first he says, if, you're, if everybody's praying in tongues all at one time, out loud, everything, he said, and an unbeliever walks into your church, they're going to think you're crazy. Now, that's, I'm not talking about worship time tongues. I'm not talking about prayer time tongues. I'm talking about Ted's jumping up and giving tongues and there's no interpretation and Sydney's jumping up and giving tongues. They're going to say, what's wrong with these people? But I like what he says here. He said, but if everyone is prophesying, and what is prophecy? Encouragement, build them up, comfort them. But if everybody's doing this, and an unbeliever or one without the gift enters into your meeting, he will be convicted by all he hears, and he and will be called to account. For the intimate secrets of his heart will be brought to light, and he will be mystified and fall face down and worship and say, God truly is among you. Don't tell me prophecy is not meant to evangelize. Matter of fact, prophecy is such a powerful evangelism tool, it causes people to fall face down and recognize God in your midst. Prophecy is not just for people in the church. Well, come up here, I'm going to give you a good word. What if you find the girl on the street? You don't think she needs a good word? You don't think she needs to understand how God really sees her so she can begin to see herself differently? Come on. This, we gotta take prophecy, get it out of here. It's good, you got a prophetic word, great. I'd rather you do it at Sheets. I'd rather you do it today when you go to lunch and your waitress comes over and you say, God, show me her the way you see her. And then let me tell her or him how you see them. This is what prophecy is meant for. Last one. Joel already said, nobody's getting out of this. It's for everybody. Well, this just, that's just not my style. That's not my personality. See, what you're doing there is you're focusing on self. That's what got Adam in trouble. When his focus on himself became the reality, what did he do? He hid from God's presence. Ooh. Ooh. Better hide. It's a focus on self. Well, I just can't do that. I realize you, you ain't you anymore. You're a new creature, you're a new creation. We're just trying to reanimate the zombie nature. Come on. Okay, go on. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For you can all prophesy. Everybody. Everybody. In turn, in an environment where all present, and here he gives instruction for it again, 
where all present can be instructed, encouraged, and strengthened. Prophecy is the gift. Well, I don't know. I don't know. We're not going to turn there, Bobby. First Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, restrain not. King James Version says, quench not the Holy Spirit. Quench him. And I, I love verse 20. It says, and do not re- reject, neglect, or I like the way the Passion puts it, or scorn prophecy. That's an instruction from God to the church. Don't scorn prophecy. Well, I don't need that prophetic stuff in our church. Mm. He, mm. he told the church at Thessalonica not to even live that way. Don't scorn prophecy. Folks, I'm encouraging you. And actually, I want to release you to know that it's okay to see visions. It's okay to dream dreams. It's okay to fall into a trance. <laughs> it's okay to get drunk in the Holy Ghost. Who you be drunk? Acts chapter 2 says when the Holy Spirit came, it said they, everybody thought they were drunk. Ephesians says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In more than one occasion, he references the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit likened to being intoxicated. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, I believe it's Song of Solomon, when he's talking about coming to the house of the Lord, it says, come to the house of intoxication. The house of his wine. Mm. This is the house of the wine. This is the house of intoxication. And I just want to pray over you that he wakes you up with prophecies. That it's hard for you to even come into a service that you don't have a word of strengthening, building them up, and comforting somebody. That you don't... That it's hard for you even to look at somebody and see the needle stuck out of their arm. All you can see is the glory of God that's just in there waiting to be discovered by them. That's what prophecy is. We need this. Especially in a world that is full of bad news. We need the good news of the gospel. Amen. Let's pray about it. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Father, let today's revelation be so real to us. Father, let us understand what it means to operate prophetically. And Father, right now, I just release dreams and visions. I release divine encounters of angels. I release trances and meditations in our lives because this is the natural state of Christianity. This is the natural state of Christians. And Father, 
and let us be able to reach out to others and just start to uncover the glory that's in them. That they may know and they'll accept the friend request that's already been sent out. And I thank you for it and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.